0: The Pinball Network is online. Launching Final Round Pinball Podcast. It's player versus player and player versus machine. Welcome to the final round. Lucky you, it's us. I'm Jeff Teolis. <laughs> Lucky. That's quite subjective, but sure. Lucky you, it is us. My name's Martin Robbins. This is the final round pinball podcast. Lucky you.
1: I didn't say it was good luck. <laughs> okay.
0: Fair enough. No.
1: Episode Point 53. Well Here we go. And I got to read this email to you. I don't know if you saw it. It just came in. And I, we normally say this for them, but I thought I would bring it up to you, Martin. Cause you always say just ignore stuff like this, but I can't ignore this one. So this came, uh, from America number one at gmail.com. I'm even given the guy's email address. I don't even care. He said, I'd like to like your show, but I'm sick and tired of your funny accents. Can you get somebody who sounds normal on there? <laughs> All right, fine, fine. Oh, I mean, so we've looked. And we have found uh, someone that I think you'll enjoy his voice. Um, I, I don't know. We'll, well, you be the judge, all right? He is from uh, the New England area. You know him, you love him. He is Chuck Webster, and he joins us right now. Hey, Chuck, how are you?
2: Hey, Jeff. Hey, Martin. How are you doing? Yeah, really good, mate.
1: Uh, we just I pissed off the fan. I English. <laughs> sure.
0: <laughs> so, c- can I just start? Jeff and I, just just beforehand, we said, was... was chuck on our show before or was it head to head because i remembered something about chowder head and i don't know what that means so
2: what does it mean uh, chowder head is just a uh, a term that uh, the locals are called um we're known here in the boston area for our clam chowder so um they like to okay. call us chowder heads
0: sure okay do you say say that as just a a term of endearment or does it give you the shits
2: it de- <laughs> it depends on who you talk
0: to. <laughs> okay. And how it's used, obviously. Exactly. Yeah, yeah
1: got it. You say tomato, I say tomato, they say chowderhead, we say cunt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we do. Quite a lot.
1: We do. Chuck, how you doing, buddy?
0: I'm doing well.
1: I found a few things interesting. I've been watching your social media feeds, and of course, we talk on a little group chat. Uh, Martin, myself, you, and some other podcasters and uh we're gonna get to the famous new england pinball league it is perhaps the biggest league in the world i don't know of one bigger is it safe uh, to it say is,
2: it is the biggest league by far
1: the reason i want to bring this up is because there have been some changes as we get back into quote unquote competitive pinball and, and league play there yep. have been some changes to the league rules have those changes affected the new england pinball league and if so how
2: uh, yeah it's definitely affected us um Long story short, the IFPA has decided to do away with big leagues. I shouldn't say do away with big leagues. They want to change the format where big leagues are separated into sub leagues by location. And um, for us, that's really tough because we have over 20 locations right now. And to organize and make it all work, it's going to be tough. Um, so I'm not sure what's going to happen with the IFPA in the New England Pinball League. We may not continue. Um, we're discussing it now. So I, I've heard. I've, I've, I've obviously I've,
0: I've seen a lot of chatter about these. Can you really just explain to me what this change is without how it affects NEPL, Because I know it does. But what is it just in dot point of what they've said is the change? Dumb it uh,
2: down, Chowderhead. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, essentially, they they uh, came up with a new rule that, like I say, there is every big league that has multiple locations have um, are going to be set up into sub-leagues and then you can have a final. And um, right now, as far as I know, it really only affects two, maybe three leagues um, and none of them are affected like the New England Pinball League. It's just, uh, yeah, it's it's. Um, I won't say it's targeted at us, but it really affects us more than anybody else. Maybe the Pittsburgh Pinball League is close, but um, other than that, I don't know of any big leagues that are going to take the hit like we are.
0: I'm still not sure of what the change is. Let me figure
1: this out. Is the reason it's affecting the NEPL is because you have so many locations, but you have simultaneous nights. So you would have a league night on a Friday night, but it's at two different locations. Is that the problem? Uh,
2: I'm not quite sure. Um, we do have that happening, but it's. I, I haven't really heard an explanation that I really grasp. Um, I think it's just that not all players can be at the same location at the same time. The way our league works is we play eight weeks, and after the eight week, actually we play eight weeks, after five weeks, we split up into A, B, and C divisions, and then we continue the league until the eight weeks are up, and then we have a finals. So we have one giant standing, and then at the finals, we say, take the top 32 people of all, or actually top 32 people of each division. Like I say, have a finals that basically everyone who does well in league gets to play in, but yeah, for whatever reason they want to split it up, and um, I don't really understand why they're doing it, um, but they have their reasons, and um, you know, we're just trying to make the best of it.
1: What I'm trying to understand, and when I read the rules for the new leagues, and this all took effect as of January 1st, they have certain rules for leagues. For example, a minimum of six nights. Well, you had that with the NEPL a minimum of four of them had to count. You have that with the NEPL with five of them counting. Yep. To count players as far as the IFPA is concerned, and as far as these are the players that count towards the league, they would have had to play half of the league nights, not half the ones that count, half the league nights, which in this case would be a minimum of three because you have to have a minimum of six. So with the NEPL, what I'm hearing from you is, okay, you would have had to play at least four nights to be qualified. But I'm trying to look on IFPA right now, and I know Josh is listening right now, and he's going nuts. But, you know, here you are running the biggest league. Here I am pretty into competitive pinball, and I'm trying to figure out how this works. And Martin, the three of us don't really understand it. So I'm trying to figure that out, and uh, I'm reading the new league and tournaments definition page. But uh, it's not clear, and, and nothing's been sorted, it sounds like, for you, Chuck.
2: Well, I mean, Josh has tried to explain it, and we understand what the new rule is now. I don't know why there was an issue. Um, our league has never tried to take advantage of Whoppers at all. Um, we, you know, If we wanted to run a, a, a monthly league, we could do it and you know, jack up the Whoppers, but uh-huh. we don't do that.
1: Here's we, the rule. Here it is. Yeah. Any league of 50 or more members, that's you, that allows sessions to be played concurrently in multiple locations at different times, that's you, can no longer submit IFPA results as one giant league. This flexible scheduling will still be allowed. However, the reporting of these leagues will be separated into parent and sub-league submissions. So that's what's going on with the NEPL.
2: Yes, that's the rule. Now, why it's there, I don't know. Um...
1: So Marty... I want to. Marty doesn't play in leagues, and they don't really have a lot of leagues in Australia. We don't do they?
0: really
2: at all. No.
1: Here's the thing, and this is interesting. I don't say it's boring if you're not a league player. This is really about the IFPA and trying to figure things out. When this came out, I said to Josh, and I've said it to you, Chuck. I think these changes may be the death of leagues, or at least some of them. Chuck, what do you think?
2: The mega league. Um, you're I'm not being. Sure what's going to happen there?
1: You're being penalized for being too big.
2: Yeah, I. I think that's really what it comes down to. I mean, I've heard a couple different things from different people. I won't name names, but um, someone that doesn't like that we're so successful. I mean, ultimately, that's the only thing I can think of. And we love the IFPA. We want to be part of something bigger, but we also have to look out for our best interest. Um, We have 300 to 400 players. Actually, we had 400 players sign up last year. We had 315 uh, finish the season, and that was with COVID. So, um, like I said, we're growing and bringing stuff. We're doing really good things for pinball, but this threw us for a loop, and I just don't really understand why it's a negative. And, yeah.
1: So, Marty, leagues aren't in Australia. When you hear things like this, when I say death of leagues, it doesn't mean death of pinball. I just think there will be more tournaments versus leagues if there are difficulties and restrictions for making leagues harder. In London, Ontario, where I have uh, a lot of interest in in pinball, and, and it's my hometown, it's tough to find locations for six different nights. So that's a real burden if it's going to be someone's home, and we've got to play there six nights. So that is maybe causing the death of certain leagues. Could be that one. Who knows?
0: Yeah. Look again. I am trying to obviously understand it from a non league. I've never been in a league. We, I think, we do have a league up in Queensland, but it is on the at the one location we have had tournaments or, or comps run where it was a different venue each time but it was the same players moving to different venues i think what i'm hearing here is that you've got multiple venues all being fed up to a a pool of results that goes into the one System Is that what I'm gathering? And what they're really saying is, well, hang on, if you've got this particular location and these people only go to that location, it should be counted as its own individual league.
2: But that's where the problem is. Our people, our players don't go to just one location. Every person in the New England Pinball League can play at any location at any week. So they people bounce around all the time. You never know who's going to be at a location. So for one week, you know, I could be at... The Wicked Piss of Pinball Pit. The next week I could play at Double Bull Tavern. And like I say, you never know who you're going to play against. You're allowed to play at all different locations. And because of this, people have really flocked to the league because they want to check out the new locations. And because so many people have gotten involved, it actually has expanded and, and it, more locations have opened up to support the league. Yeah, it's, it's really taken off because of the ability for players to go from one location to the next and still be playing in the same league.
0: So... The the question that I know was asked was of the players in your league, whom what what was sort of percentage of all these players are really fixated on whoppers versus those people just wanting to go, do well in the league and have fun?
2: Um we took a poll and I'm not this is not a scientific poll by any means. Roughly call it fifty five percent said they could care less about whoppers. Sure. Um, roughly 42% said they somewhat care, and about 3% say they're very important. I may be off on those numbers a little bit. I don't want to. I don't want to give you exact percentages so because I don't have them in front of me. But that's approximately it. Um, so, like I say, half the league, roughly half the league, thinks they're somewhat important. The other half don't care about them.
1: Here's the thing: if for those people that don't care about whopper points doesn't matter. You don't even have to be an IFPA tournament. You can just run, hey, it's fun night Fridays at whatever. And that will get the people that are looking for casual fun play to still turn out. Those that want the Whoppers will be, eh, I don't care. So here's the thing. These leagues, those that care about the Whoppers, care about having a lot of people there. They care about having those people that don't care about Whoppers. Whereas the people who don't care about the points, they don't give a shit who's there or not. So it's... That's kind of the weird uh, conundrum, if you will.
2: Um, yes and no. I I don't think we'll lose any players if we don't have walkers. I think everyone will still play the league because a league, I mean, unless until you experience our league, you don't understand how good it is. It's how fun it is. I really don't think we're going to lose more than uh, I'll say more than two or three players out of four hundred. I think we'll and I, I think we'll continue to grow. But there might be, like I say, one or two players who may not continue because of Whoppers, but I think everyone else will. I really, deep down, feel that way. Because we're, like I say, it's just it's a blast and we're well-established. Now, the problem is, if someone wanted to start a league like ours, it's going to be very difficult to convince people to do it because everyone is so Whopper-centric. All the existing locations are really trying to drive Whopper tournaments. Um, no one's really running tournaments for fun anymore. So I think it would be hard for another league to start up like ours just because of this.
0: Okay, so then if you let's say you have to I guess fall into line and each of those individual locations now have to submit as individual leagues does that still keep I guess the wheels running and the incentive there for people to go to multiple locations anyway but just compete as individual again I'm trying to I'm trying to relate it to me where you know we've got I think three possibly three different comps running in melbourne at the moment and it was as as if all three of them came together and said okay we're now going to compile all our things under the one league i again i I think because we are so casual i I think people just are interested in getting a slab of beer to win the night rather than where they rank in in the world mainly because again australia's numbers because we've got fewer players and fewer events, it's very hard for us to compete on a global scale anyway. So I think people have sort of given up on the idea of whoppers meaning anything anyway. So that that, I guess my question to you is, is people still going to enjoy it, even though they're now competing for individual location glory?
2: Well, again, I don't know if we're going to do this. I'm not sure if we'll continue. That's to be determined, but I have every... well. Why
1: would would you stop? I'm confused. If whoppers don't matter to half them, why would you stop?
2: Why would we stop uh, being IFPA, whopper, you know, getting whoppers?
1: Why would you stop the league if, if half of you don't care about Oh, no, the we're not going to stop the league. Ah. Uh, the
2: league's going to continue. There's no question about that. It's a question of whether we'll continue to be um, in the IFPA. Yeah, no, we're going to continue. There's absolutely no, no doubt about that. Um, it's just a question of do we do the sub-league thing. To, to do the sub-league, it changes a lot of, a lot of the reporting requirements it changes the ability of players to be able to move around as much. For example, if a player wants to play at multiple locations, let's say I want to play at five different locations in a season, I won't be able to do that and still um, still receive Whoppers. And I won't be mm-hmm. uh, won't be able to qualify for finals as well.
0: I'll give a, a, a slight counter. And, and if I'm getting the, the new rules wrong, please let me know. But it also could mean that if somebody isn't necessarily doing well in the grand scheme of the league but they're doing particularly well at a location. They might gun it just for one location and get their glory there, whereas they wouldn't if it was all being joined together.
2: That's exactly right. And what I'm afraid of is that there'll be, let's say, a couple of big locations that might have 40 or 50 people, or actually maybe maybe even 100 people showing up each week, and those locations are going to draw more people in from some of the smaller locations, which are going to hurt the smaller locations. So it actually ends up hurting the league because you know we have one big location and all the smaller ones are going to suffer because of it.
0: Well, I would think that the smaller ones... If, if it was me and I saw a smaller location, I'm thinking, I could probably win that because there's less people that I need to, to beat in order to get to the top of that one.
2: Yes, but the the, the points would be much smaller too, though. So if yeah, you to act-
0: but smaller points that you can win are better than bigger points that you can't win.
2: Um, But yeah, if you look at how the Whoppers get dished out. Um, if you do, let's say a hundred person location, if you finish in the top 20 of that hundred person location, you're going to get more, a lot more whopper points probably than you would if you came in second or third at a smaller location. Sure. Sure. So it's, I don't, know, it's, um,
0: it is, I, I, I don't, I don't envy your position because it's all just theoretical change at the moment. And, and, and it's, it's going to be behavioral change that you're not necessarily in control of because that's people and their behaviors and their desires. So you really wouldn't know how people are going to react until it's in place. Yeah. And that's, that's probably what's scary.
2: It is. It's very scary for us. Um, the vocal minority is very loud and um, there, there's a handful of people, not even a handful. There's a couple of people who are making a big deal about lack of whopper points. Most everyone else is not really, they don't really care that much. But like I say, the vocal minority is making it scary for us to make a decision. We're going to take a vote on it this week, and we'll, we'll see what happens.
1: For those listening that don't care about Whopper Points, we're going to move on. But at least for the last 20 minutes, we've given you the King's English. Uh, you were concerned about my accent and Marty's. We've, <laughs> we've cleaned all that up. So, you know, there has been some entertainment value. Uh, the nice thing is you've got locations. You've come out of the pandemic. You're still strong. And Chuck, I didn't know this. Is this like a little secret? I didn't know you were a, a little operator yourself.
2: Yeah, I, I I operate a few games. I um, help out my buddy Mitch Curtis a little bit.
1: Who just turned 40, by the way, I noticed.
2: Yes, it's Mitch's. Happy birthday, Mitch. I'm helping him out. I have a couple games on another brewery down a couple towns away. Um, I'd like to get a few more on location, but um, the big reason why I'm operating games is because I've run out of space at my house for my collection. <laughs> I needed to find space for new games, so I figured I might as well just operate a few.
1: Marty did that for a little bit, didn't you?
0: A little bit. Yeah. Didn't you have Jurassic Park Data East out on location? <laughs> I think I've really only ever had Jurassic Park Data East and My Hobbit. My Hobbit was out on location for a month and it was the, you know, the Smaug special edition. And I saw people beating it up and I went, you know what, I'm bringing that home. But yeah, I, I, yeah, Jurassic Park was an awesome story because it, it made in returns more than what it cost me. And then I sold it for more than what it cost me.
1: And he bought his second home.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, if I'd done it now, yeah prices are ridiculous at the moment so
1: are you having that kind of success i know mitch has been doing it a long time and the pandemic just wiped out so many places. flat top johnny's was was wonderful and we lost yep. that but uh how is it in the boston area now
2: if things are coming back pretty strong like i say, we have multiple locate new locations that have recently opened up mostly at breweries one pool hall it's it's coming back pretty strong the hard part right now is getting games if you wanted to start a new location and you want to buy some new stores, it's tough to get games.
1: It, it's tough for all the companies, no question. Mm. It, it's been it's been difficult, but um, I think hopefully we will get out of this kind of supply issue in a while. But is that also a statement of how popular pinball is? We're just seeing all these great titles come out, and people are getting interested. And uh, whether it's leagues and people realizing that they're good investments, because they certainly are. That right now they are. Oh, they're they're great investments. So I guess, yeah, I mean, someone like yourself who has that big collection is going to be uh, sought after for for being an operator.
2: Yep. And uh, I don't want to sell any games just because I, I know I can put them on location now. And and uh, yeah, it's it's a good time to be, have a good collection. But here's, here's the
0: thing, right? Like, has the amount of money that would go through location pinball, has that gone up or has that stayed the same?
2: Um, I would say it's gone up. Well, I'll only speak for this area and I'll, I'll bring it back to the league. New England Pinball League, most of the, the bigger locations around here are pretty much all the locations have a, are now a league site. And if you have a public league location, chances are you're going to be bringing in 30 to 40 people every week for a night of pure pinball. And that's really helped boost the sales of league nights at, or a, um, at the locations. Uh, if you can fill up a location one night a week, you're going to do pretty well.
0: No, the, the reason why I asked the question is because I, I know that there are people that have said, I could put my game on location and earn X amount of dollars, or I could sell this machine and I could probably make two two years worth of location money.
2: That's probably true, but you could also put the game on location, make... A good chunk of change, and then the game is still actually going up in value. You're not losing any money right now by having games. I'm not sure if that's going to continue, but uh, right now, you don't sell games for less than you pay for them. Most people are making more money on their games. They're selling $1,000 over what they pay. Oh, for sure. That's not going down as of right now, anyways.
0: Yeah, That's right, Jeff. (laughs) It is a good time to be
1: selling games. no question about it. It's uh, just getting that inventory back in return, so... You say that you smart ass as in like, Oh, the bubble's bursting. I get where you're fucking going, you <laughs> that's what Chuck and you and I all agree is we said it over and over right now, right now, right now. Is it going to last forever?
2: Chuck, what the fuck are you doing in there? My cat is on my desk knocking stuff off. <laughs> <laughs> he's
1: got oh, he's oh got we a little, can say he's got a tuxedo uh, cat just like mine. Nice. What's his name? Razzled razzle okay nice
2: come on razzle leave me alone ah. Ah. sorry about that <laughs> that's
1: okay oh he just threw the cat outside i don't like that
2: oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's gonna climb on top of the pinball machines any minute now
1: uh does razzle show up on some of your streams on your wicked Pissa
2: streams he has yep he has was a one one stream i was running a, a tournament and he actually jumped right up on i think it was led zeppelin as Bowen was playing it it was, it was pretty funny
1: if you've watched Chuck do some Wicked Piss of streams, there was something you did, and I want to say it's almost a year ago, and it was it was a restoration stream, wasn't it?
2: Yes, yeah, I, was, I think that was a Rolling Stones game I was working on, and um, yeah, it was during, during the pandemic, I was just bored, so I just turned the camera on as I was doing the restoration.
1: But it was fascinating, I mean, it was different, there are a lot of streams out there, and, and I certainly endorse all of them on, on Twitch, and, and like uh, like watching the different varieties out there, but... You see a lot of gameplay. You don't see a lot of restorations or tech things. And uh, that was unique to see what was all involved and made me realize I never want to fucking restore a pinball machine ever.
2: <laughs> now I'm feeling that way this week, too. I've been, uh, I've been doing three different projects right now, and I'm getting a little tired of them.
0: What would you say has been your best restoration?
2: Uh, that's, that's a tough one. Um, my best restoration was probably my... Oh, it's got to be your kiss. Kiss is different. Kiss, Kiss, Kiss was a scratch build game. It's beautiful and it came out super nice. But as far as actual restoration, it really wasn't a restoration. It was more of a, just a, a build project. Um, I consider it a restoration when you touch up the playfield and clear coat it and you know turn a really bad game into a great game. Whereas my Kiss, it was literally there was not a single part on my Kiss that came from a Kiss. I was a I bought the playfield from CPR. I bought all the, or I had all the parts from used machines from, else, uh, from other games, and uh, I built that from scratch. And it came out beautiful. Don't get me wrong, but I, I don't know if I can call that a restoration. It's more, like I say, a, a scratch build.
1: Isn't that crazy? All different parts for the Bally Kiss machine.
2: I know. Yeah, and the Ballys actually, Ballys uh, and even storms, uh, classic Sterns are great for that because the parts are fairly easy to find. Um, so you can take a playfield and a uh, buy a reproduction playfield and reproduction back glass. And plastics. And you can build games. just have to find all the parts. And like I say, most of these parts are available. So like right now, I'm building a Dolly Parton. I collect music Is pins. Is this a so. pinball
1: machine or like a doll? What are you talking about here?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Dolly Parton pinball machine. Thank you. Um, I collect music pins, so I wanted to get a Dolly Parton. And you cannot find any anywhere. At least around here, I can't. I couldn't find a decent Dolly Parton anywhere. So I, I found a Silver Ball Mania cabinet. And I'm stripping that down. I'm going to repaint it for Dolly. Uh, I got a new playfield I'm going to put a brand new playfield in it. Um I got all the parts ready to go and I'll I'll have a brand new looking Dolly Parton for less than I could find a or well, I can find one at least. Uh, I was going to say less I can less money I I can find one for but I can't even find one at any price right now. So
0: I've only ever seen Dolly Parton pinball machine once in my life and that was at an airport in the US. I can't even remember which one it was whether it was Vegas No, it wouldn't have been Texas. But, yeah, it was in, like, the Gate Lounge. It's the only time I've ever seen. It is so rare.
2: They made a lot. Well, it made a fair amount of them, but for whatever reason, you just don't see them. Um, Maybe all the Dolly Parton fans are collectors and are hoarding them. Same thing with Bally Kiss. You don't see a whole lot of Bally Kisses, or at least you don't see them for sale. I think all the the collectors out there have them and don't want to sell them anymore.
1: And they're expensive when they are on sale.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, they're crazy pricing. Actually, everything's crazy pricing right now.
1: So you like the music pins. Give us your top 5 and and maybe talk about some of the games that have come out recently because we've seen Zeppelin, we've seen Rush, we've seen GNR, Weird Al even.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Weird Al um I was watching that stream tonight a little bit. And it look, looks interesting. Yeah, I am. I don't know if I can give you a top 5. I like most all the music pins. Um I think Beatles is a great pin. Led Zeppelin is I think the Led Zeppelin LE or premium is a great pin. The new Rush is Dynamite, Metallica, AC/DC. There, there are a lot of good music pins out there.
0: Stone Rolling Stones, <sighs> swing Stern and a Rolling
2: miss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a Stone Rolling Stones. It actually is a fun game to shoot, but as a from a competitive standpoint, it's just too easy.
1: Well, um, that game would be great if there wasn't Mick on a stick, because yeah. the code's good. You take that out, it's a good game.
2: Yeah, it's there's nothing wrong with it. It's it's. Like I say, the shots are a little wide and they're easy to make, but it, it's fine. Out of my music, modern music pins, that's probably my least favorite. But like I say, it's okay. It's It's got its ups and downs. It's not, not the worst game in the world.
1: You get to see a lot of good games there in the Boston area. And of course, one of the best shows is Pintastic, which is back in June. And uh, that's a show I've only been to once. I got to get back there. And I think Gabe, Derek, and all the staff do a great job. The one thing, and you can bang this drum for me, will you, Chuck? Okay. To get myself and others back there, get them to have more than one tournament. Because we have to think of how much money it costs us to go to these different events, flying, hotel, all that kind of stuff. And you want to play. And when there's only one tournament, uh, I wish there was more. You know, you you almost a tournament that is that big, you need a main, you need a classics, you need a women's. And I think that would be wonderful if Pintastic could do that.
2: I... Don't disagree. It's just a question of getting the, the right games and the manpower to run it. Uh, Jim Swain from the Sanctum runs the main tournament there, and he does a fantastic job. The Silverball uh, Rumble. Mm-hmm. It's a great tournament, but he's tapped. I, mean, he, I can't imagine him trying to run a second tournament.
1: Well, all those people in the NEPL, step up, help out. <laughs> you know, they certainly have the games uh, to do it. You don't need a lot of games for a tournament, and especially if you're just doing something like a Classics or a Women's i uh boy i'd like to see that happen i'll be i'll tell you what you do that i'll be back there in no time
2: well we can make we can definitely make a second tournament happen uh using the Seven new hampshire pinball club room uh, they usually get a whole room to themselves and they actually ran a women's tournament last year or last yeah was it last year whatever it was they they ran a women's tournament
1: they had one when i was there in 2019
2: but yeah they used to run the women's tournament like i say jim swain would run the Silverball rumble the main tournament and then last last Pintastic, they actually did a, a NEPL... It wasn't a tournament, but it was like a, a mock league night. So people could get the taste of what the league was like. I wasn't involved in that. I'm not quite sure how it went, but um, that was something else they did. But yeah, I, I don't disagree. It'd be nice to have some more tournaments there.
0: Yeah, look, Pintastic is one of those ones that's always on my radar and our radar collectively being Australia and also a Hager. So, you know it's one of those ones that I really want to get to. And, and Derek reaches out to me every year, saying if I'm going and, and I'd love to be able to catch up with him as well. So yeah, one day.
2: It's a good, it's a good show. And they started just a few years ago and they've really grown quite a bit.
1: Do you know one thing that Chuck did there, Marty, when I went in 2019?
0: Um, no, I mean that, that could be many, many things. Oh, you'll like
1: this. You'll like this, Marty. He ran a trash talker, and the reason we bring this up is because Chuck is the guy behind the trash talker invitational that happened at the was it the last Pinberg or the one before that? Whatever it was,
2: I've done it a couple Pinbergs. Um, the format keeps changing a little bit, but I've done a couple Pinbergs. I've done several locally. I did did it at uh, PinTastic, and uh, yeah, uh, the trash talker format is it's, it's a really fun event.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard I've heard it's uh, only the the best. Of the best win those tournaments, too. You have
2: to be really good to, to uh, win the Trash talker tournament. Correct. And I don't think Jeff's ever won one.
0: No, I don't believe he has. Jeff, ask me if I've won one. Chuck, we want to thank you very
1: much for coming on the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you won, but you also had ringers on. You had, um, you had Carl D'Angelo on your team, if I recall. Sure. Okay. I had two nobodies. I had greg pepperoni and <laughs> and David Raymondson, and like a bunch of nobodies and here you are stacking the team. That's bullshit
2: uh uh. well you know yeah, i I seem to recall Mrs. Penn beating David Raminson.
1: Mrs. Pinn, and I remember it very well. she beat Adam Becker, Stephen Bowden, and my David Ravenson on Algar. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, she
2: was over the moon for that.
1: Oh, yeah. That was a highlight.
2: That made her day. That made a whole tournament, I think, or a whole week.
1: So I had to play. I remember All I remember is dialed in. It was the first game. <laughs> and it was, I think, Nick Lane, Bruce Nightingale. So Nick from Buffalo Pinball, Bruce from Slam Tilt, myself from Pinball Profile, and Marty was there on behalf of Head to Head. And the chirping that went on was, you think we horse around on this program. That's nothing. Child's play it was way worse. And it just bounced off Martin. It drove me nuts. We couldn't say anything to get him off his game. And, and I, I remember your score. I think you had a million on
0: dialed in. I think it was actually a lot more than that. But I, I think It the, was big. It, it was big. And I, and I always said, well, look, I, 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 because I did so much streaming and I have to stream and chat and be distracted constantly, I think even Bruce Nightingale had like a um a boom box and put that right next to my ears and in front of my eyes and I'm just like, ah uh, I've had worse than this. So I don't know. It was pretty yeah, impressive. It was fun yeah, it was very fun. Yep. would you win, Marty? Shut up. would you win? I won I won I can't remember what it was, but something like eight hundred dollars mm-hmm. and that money went to Beyond Blue, which is a fantastic charity yes. in Australia. And that's it. Move it on
1: there was also a big trophy i recall that was uh, there yeah there was do you remember chuck what was i mean you went you went out of your way to make this lovely trash can trophy which i thought boy anybody would be so proud to have that that's
2: right that should be cherished
0: i mean fuck i flew there and i still would have flown it back
2: people will kill to win that trophy
0: i can tell you now it was cherished just (laughs) not for a long period of time
2: wait okay Sorry. You want to take that through security?
0: What
1: a dick.
2: Yeah, no,
0: exactly. So I just think you are, nah, I think you are an international country phobic, which is a new word I'm making up because (laughs) you've intentionally made this trophy thinking, oh, it'll go to an American, no one else will care. But I couldn't get that on the plane. So I left it in my hotel room.
1: Jeez, I've won tournaments in other countries, other continents even, maybe your own. I had no problem with any kind of awards.
0: The size of a garbage bin. Doesn't
1: matter the size. <laughs> it's the pride. Literally
0: a garbage bin. It was a garbage bin. And I'm not saying that the trophy was garbage. I'm saying it was actually a, <laughs> it is a trash can.
1: Chuck, is, is, does that disqualify him from any of other of your tournaments that you run? Again, if you're just going to show that blatant disregard for the effort. I mean, it's not like you just looked in your pocket for some loose change. Oh, here's, here's the trophy. You went out of your way. To put this together, and invited so many people in there, and this prick doesn't even take it back to All Australia. Right, okay.
0: Just stop for a sec. Just stop for a sec. Stop for stop for a second, right? Okay. So if if you get so hung up on how people treat their trophies, next time this podcast is released, I want you to have a photo. I'm going to talk about it. You can't talk about it. He came to Australia, won the tournament, whatever. Blah blah blah. I want. Sorry, you, I didn't hear you. What did you say? I want you to release photos of you with the trophy that you got when you won the tournament here Mm-hmm. okay is that gonna happen
1: can i say it without i, I won't show right. the photo i'll say it no, I'll say, it's, it's want, sitting uh, on my no. fireplace
0: good i want you to take a photo of it in action and then post it on socials it is a photo of a mug if not then you can shut up about my garbage bin chuck it's yeah. a photo of a
1: mug this is a mug that, was that the I was prize, given. A photo of a mug? No, 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 sorry. I won this mug and how they, it was a flip frenzy and everyone okay. that beat me in a flip frenzy didn't happen often, trust me. Um, I had to drink a shot of Fireball, but I had to drink it out of this mug. Okay. Which, um, it's a penis. Instead of being a sippy cup, it was a huge cock. <laughs> so, I have, hey, listen, I, ca- I could care less.
0: Okay, good. Post it.
2: Well, I'd like to see that. If
0: you don't, <laughs> I will.
1: <laughs> oh <laughs> well. Ah. Anyway, that's right. Checkmate. If I if I was worried about it, it wouldn't be on my fireplace for all to see because it makes for a great story. <laughs> right beside the honorary Australian award I received, the Victoria Pinball Twenty Twenty Award. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read it right now. Hold on. It's on my wall. This was presented to me. I'm reading it verbatim. Victoria Pinball 2020. Honorary Australian Award. Jeff Teolos. Honorary Australian for being a massive cunt.
0: <laughs> 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 yeah, Nah, you win it every year. <laughs>
1: Fine. Oh, Chuck. See, I mean, maybe. Okay. Have we learned anything? Have we learned how to uh, uh, make leagues better with um, <laughs> penis cups and uh,
0: special yeah, trophies?
2: That fly for us in our league. That, that, we're a little too family friendly for that
0: we thought we were
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah we should go back
2: down in australia has a different meaning probably
1: we should go back and read
0: that email hey can you guys swear less (laughs) (laughs) it was really funny because it was literally from that moment forward we stopped beeping our cunt
1: (laughs) (laughs) uh it's just a word who cares anyway chuck I want to thank you for your diction. I want to thank you for your (laughs) eloquent voice. Uh, It's a a pleasure. If anybody should have a podcast, it should be you. Since you don't, we bring you on.
2: I appreciate you having me on.
1: Yeah, I hope things go well for the NEPL. Say hi to Marty's uh, old partner in crime, Joe LaMere. Hope he's doing well. Yeah, Joe
0: LaMere, I knew that. He actually gave me a a, a T-shirt from your league, so thank you. Yep.
1: Yeah,
2: Joe's a member.
1: I have one of those. nice. Uh, it's a black shirt with white sleeves. It's great. I've worn it in yeah, a you few get, tournaments.
2: You, get the, uh, you have the New England, Narragansett New England logo one. That's, that's a good shirt.
1: It's a great shirt. Yeah, you have to get me there in Boston once again. Well,
2: you, need to, you need to join our league. You need to have a, a, Toronto, a, a Toronto version.
1: A Toronto chapter. Oh, that would be funny.
2: We actually have a, a couple of people in Chicago that want to start a Chicago um, site um it's not gonna I it'll right
1: how are the playoffs gonna work all right it's well that's it's... just
2: it it just wouldn't work but we have um uh, several of our league players have gone on to work with some of the pinball companies and they miss in our league and um mark and erin Sidon are always talking about they want to have the uh, the chicago annex site
1: hmm. well see uh but you'll it's just it's have a to bit... tough to do yeah you'll have to bend the ear of that ifpa president and uh we know well, that next week it's april fool so i'm dying to see what he comes out with
2: yeah it'll be something i'm sure and, like I say, from the league perspective, we we want to be in the IFPA, but we're just not sure what's going to happen. We think it, there's a value to that. So we'll see. We'll see what happens.
1: Chuck, you take care, buddy. Good talking to you. Thank
2: you, Jeff. Good talking to you, too, Martin.
1: Yeah, thanks, mate.
0: Speak soon. Take care. So that was the chowder head himself, Chuck Webster. Nice to, to speak to him again. But what did we learn besides the fact that you also left your trophy from Australia in Australia? which I found out in between recording just now.
1: Yeah, I didn't want to take it back because I felt bad. All these people came out, and so Simon has the championship trophy, so that's fine. What did we learn from Chuck? Honestly, I couldn't understand a word he said. I have no (laughs) idea. I really... You tell me. Okay, what I did get out of it was concern for leagues for the IFPA, and I am legit when I say I don't think it's going to be the death of leagues. I think it's going to be the death of some leagues because it might be difficult under the parameters. It doesn't mean the league will be dead completely. It just might not be an IFPA league. And that's the one thing. I I know in the four leagues I'm involved with, very likely two of them are now not gonna be leagues anymore. They're just gonna be, you know what? We're just gonna run tournaments. And the big thing about that is, if you're doing six nights and then you have a playoff, well, the playoff only half the people can play in. Why not just run mini tournaments? on those six-slash-seven nights, and do it that way. And then everyone's involved. You don't have to exclude anyone. And you can probably do it in the same amount of time. There's your whoppers.
0: Hmm. Yeah, sure. I I think what I was sort of getting from this scenario is you've got people that are running these big leagues thinking that they're doing a good thing, they're growing the pinball community, they're not worried about whopper farming, it's not all about that, it's just getting... And then all of a sudden these changes happen that really impacts them significantly and they kind of think, why? Why did this happen to us when we were doing the right thing? We've been growing and growing and growing, getting all these new people in and this? And I think that's, I guess, logically... I, I And again, I was trying to have a logic conversation back and forth to say, well, hang on, this could happen and that's fine... But I think it's more an emotional side of, hang on, we've been working for years to build this, and now this without notice. Why? I think it's, that's just the question is why. What
1: I don't understand in this change is whether it's a league, whether it's a tournament, it caps at 64 players. So at 64 players, it takes the top 64 players, and uses their ratings and rankings and all that kind of stuff to determine how much the tournament is worth. So even though they have 400 people, it doesn't mean the tournament's necessarily worth more. It just means it's worth as good as the top 64 players. So I can see the concern of, well, you're including too many people that are maybe not there for, for the Whoppers, um, but you've kind of eliminated that because you've got a minimum number of nights and all that kind of thing. So those people that are just one and done, they don't count anyway. So I think that's one of the reasons they made the big change from six minimum nights, four of them count, and people that show up three times can be included. I get that, and I think that is a good change. I understand why I've did that, because before you could do four nights, top two count. So anybody who shows up for one would be given points and all that kind of stuff. I, I get that. So... That, that was the way the formula was before and people could exploit that if they wanted to, myself included. But that's now being prevented. You can't do that anymore. And that's fine.
0: Can I, can I ask a, a question? Do you know, do you know of, and I, I obviously don't want names, but do you know of people that are just so ridiculously focused on getting whopper points that they do behaviors that try to exploit the rules like again just for me every time i get these rules that that come in and i'm thinking okay obviously something's happened for there to be such a drastic correction in the rules format but is it widespread or is it just a couple of bad apples that's what i'm trying to work out are there people that are just so obsessed by this stuff that they find loopholes and exploits and then ruin it for everyone? Do I know people? Yes.
1: Do I know people? Let me grab a mirror. Do you? Absolutely. Uh, how? Wait, and I'll, I'll tell you exactly why. I have no problem. Hey, hand up. I'm one of those guys. And I'll tell you why. It's about time equity. It's about how much time. So uh, there's a league near where I live, and they're wonderful, wonderful people. I really, really enjoy the, the league nights and all that kind of good stuff. They play, I think, 13 weeks and the top, let's say, 8, top 10 weeks count. That's overkill. And, and what I mean by that is you don't need to play that many times. You, you've already maxed out once you have that 25 TGP, which they've done on the pretty much the fifth night because the playoffs will get you there. So it's just, that's more, I think, of a social league or at least it is now, but it's about time equity. It's about, okay, I only have so many, so much time to play in these different events. I much prefer, me me personally, I would rather play in tournaments than leagues. Although what I love about leagues, and I still play in leagues, even though the points don't matter, I like the social aspect. I like going to different people's homes or different locations. I like the different people. That's why I play leagues. It has nothing to do with points. So... I'm kind of both people. I'm one that looks for opportunities, and I also look for enjoyment of, oh, you know, I wouldn't mind going to that person's house because they have this game I've never played, and it'd be fun to play. And it's good people. It's a good hang. You might have side little tournaments where you and your buddies, okay, uh, I bet you a buck I'm going to win this game, that kind of crap. That's what I enjoy. And really simple bragging rights. It has nothing to do with whoppers. So for me, the leagues I run or I'm involved with, I'm looking to maximize the
0: opportunities. Yeah, that's fine, but I'm not what I'm not It doesn't take away from the fun, by the way. No, but I know, but what I'm not hearing is that you're finding loopholes. Yeah. That are so drastic that, that they have to then make these drastic changes that fucks it up for everybody else. I found one. And and it was. We would run four nights, and the top two would
1: count. Based on the old rules, if you showed up to one night, you would be included. That's not a exploit, that's not a loophole, that's not screwing the system. That's just the way the parameters worked. I do know of other leagues that ran two nights. Your best night counted. So, you know, that's, uh, that's I guess, the minimum you could do. I You well, could probably do one night, but that's not really a league. It's just a tournament. I know another change they did. Here's a big one. Some leagues would run two league nights on the same night. So from seven to nine, we're playing these four games. That's league night one. And then from nine to 11, we're playing league night two. That's now... You can't do that. League nights have to be seven days separated. So I get that. Yeah, I not I, I don't fault that. those people for doing that. That's the way the system was. They didn't cheat. There's zero cheating going
0: on. It's like, okay, that's what the rules are. So they've changed it No, I know they, what you mean. I know what you mean. They're following the rules, and that's why they've got to tighten them up. Like, years ago, we used to have... Um, you know, I, I, I can't remember what it was, but there was a location that had, let's say, five machines. Each individual machine on the same night had a mini tournament, and they all got sep- you know, separate results. It's like, hmm.
1: When the IFPA first announced that you are not a player until you have five scores on the IFPA card, well, I thought, okay, and they were about to introduce the dollar, so we did this thing called the EM Challenge, and, and we had five EMs, let's say, and we're going to play one game best score wins so the the amount of points you got was nothing it was direct play but that counted as a tournament and we do it on this one this one so that so every league member had their five nights and they were now a quote unquote player that helped towards whoppers because if you're not a player if it's your first time ever you don't help contribute to those whoppers at that event so you needed to have a minimum five so we did that all in one night and i know. A lot of leagues that did that. So there's a difference between an exploit and a cheat. It was not a cheat. It definitely was
0: an exploit. Great. Love it. Thanks for answering my question. The Really, the big question is, what has somebody done? Where has the bad man touched you <laughs> to to warrant these massive changes to leagues? Who's been exploiting this? Is that is, 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 is what they're saying, that NEPL... Because it's had all the—that's a big exploit, and it's unfair to other leagues. Is that really what they're saying?
1: Oh, I definitely do not think the NEPL was exploiting, and
0: no, I don't think they were. But I think are people saying that they are?
1: Well, I pretty sure I asked Josh when the uh, changes came out. I'm not gonna say who the people were, but I said NEPL is okay, and they—and I remember Josh saying, "Yeah, they're—they're they're fine. They're definitely not exploiting." So it wasn't
0: okay. But there are people that are okay. That, that's all I wanted to know—is that this is happening because people are taking advantage of a situation and it's not seemed fair across the board
1: here's the really big thing that's happening now is we know uh there are a lot of we call them whopper farms and there is no bigger one in the world and this is not a knock but there is no bigger one in the world than district 82 in wisconsin it is a place i'm dying to go to and i will be in a couple weeks and i don't think what they're doing is wrong i think what they're doing is spectacular it just sucks that not everyone can experience it they have big tournaments many nights and like they have a tuesday night tournament tuesday night 68 people cheat like that's that's freaking huge and they've got great great players there tom graff who we know and love He's there, and and there's this young girl named Cassidy who's just, I think she's the number one woman player in the world right now. She's a great player. If you ever watch any of the Fox City streams, you'll see some of these wonderful players. And then they have these big, big events. The one I'm going to is called the Great Lakes Open, and that's in April, and that's going to be, I don't know, 120-some-odd people. So I don't think what they're doing is wrong with these events. It's just they have the opportunity. How many places have these kind of opportunities where... They can draw from all kinds of people. I mean, I'm flying in from far away, but the people from Chicago, that's well, a three-hour drive. You see you Raymond there, Tim Sexton and Jason Wardrick, and Keith Elwin's shown up a few times, the Sharp brothers. Why wouldn't you? That's a great... Again, it's all about that time equity. It's all about how much time do I have to invest in all these tournaments? Do I have to do all this, all these leagues over the course of four or six months? Or can I just do a bunch over two, three days? And a lot of the top players, myself included, give me those two, three days. Let me cram it in. That's what big tournaments are. Do you know that I'm running a a tournament at this place called Maple in Mississauga, and I just set it up, and it's not a whopper form by any means, but we're going to try it out. 48 players, three tournaments on one day. So we start off with a classics match play. So it's all EMs and early solid states. We do 13 rounds, no playoffs. Probably going to take about four hours. Take a little break. We do a flip frenzy. Timed for three hours and then a mini playoff. And during that mini playoff, we have like a big pizza dinner. That'll be, you know, three, four hours. And then we end it with a fair strikes tournament. And that fair strikes tournament, so when you're done, you can get the hell out of there. But this is probably going to run from 11 to 11. And it's new for some people, but anybody who's gone to a big tournament, whether it's Indisc or, you know, TPF, You're playing in these tournaments and you're playing that amount of time. You might be in queue, but you're playing, you're playing, you're playing. So it's no big deal for us top players who travel and do all these big stern pro circuit events to play long time or in the pump and dumps, but we're going to try it here in Mississauga. So that's kind of, and really that's just keeping up with the Joneses. There's so much out there, you know, we can't always be at in Germany with what Tobias is doing or, or the Boras open or district 82 or some of these other events. So we kind of have to create them.
2: Yeah.
0: Fair enough. Yeah. Actually sounds like a great event. Surprised you're putting it on.
1: Well, the players, the players will come out. I'm not so sure how the casual people, and maybe, maybe it's too much. Maybe two would have been good, but I thought, Oh, let's try three. And, uh, you know it's a good location. I wanted to try it, so we'll see. I'll let you know how that goes. It's it's in May, so uh, I've got a little bit of time to make sure everything goes well. But um, yeah, how about your last two weeks? That's what I did this week.
0: Oh man, <laughs> are you my, sober, my buddy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I I am very very hungover. I will admit, I went to a um, a gin festival yesterday where there was for three hours. Tasting of over four hundred gins and I I don't know. I would have tasted maybe a hundred different gins. Seriously. Oh easy. <laughs> Jeez. Easy. Um so yeah, I um did they sell spare livers in the gift shop? <laughs> They should have. They should have. It was a it was a fun day. So I'm I'm the day after, effectively, is what Jeff's getting at. Um look the last two weeks have been full on for us, particularly here at Haggis. Hopefully by the time this podcast comes out, you would have seen me doing a demonstration of the 2.0 revisited rule set for Fathom. Nice. Oh, uh, I'm I'm loving what I see. I just hope everybody else loves what they what they see and what I see. But yeah, you know, you mentioned before supply chain has been a, a big challenge. It's been a challenge for everybody. So Damien will be doing uh, an update. Hopefully, it's gone out by the time this airs. But yeah, look, it's one of these weird things where, for the, for the most part, we've got a lot of people that are really backing Haggis, and we really appreciate that. Um, I've had a lot of people reaching out, seeing if I was going to TPF. I'm not. I wanted to, but it's a case of do I go to TPF for a week or do I stay here and get games in a box out to customers that are screaming for their games? So it's a logical decision to stay back here. So we're all staying back here just so we can get games out the door.
1: I'm excited. I'm really happy. I know how hard you've worked. And uh, I know people, not just with Haggis, but all companies, where's my machine? Where's my machine? And, and you're hearing that for people that bought games well over a year ago. So you're not alone. It is a supply issue but I know how hard you've worked. You've got all the Celts out. And, uh, and even while Celts was being done, is it safe to say, I mean, I think we can tell people. You were working on Fathom 2.0 at the same time. You, you were, it wasn't just like, okay, we have to complete all Celts and then now we start with Fathom. It was kind of some simultaneous things.
0: No, absolutely. I mean, I, I designed the rules for Fathom um, uh, well, over a year ago. And so I have been working on it. Throughout that time to get it where it is now, and there's a lot more enhancements coming to it as well. Because the more I play it, the more I keep I, I obsess b- about these things. So I I play the I play the game, I I get into the modes, and then I I dream about it at night, and I think about what I could do to make it even better. So, you know, the next morning. Greg comes in and he's got a list of all these changes that I've made. And it will continue to evolve. The framework's there. Uh, how you get to the final wizard mode is all there. There's a lot of enhancements to the game that are coming as well. So, yeah, it's, it's just a, it's a nonstop obsession for me at the moment. It's exciting. And uh,
1: how nervous are you? Because we're going like, to, like, like you say, people are going to see it. And I do want to ask, how much have you changed since when you first said, oh, I'm done the rules?
0: Oh, quite a lot. Okay. Oh, a significant amount. The, the the framework itself, how you get to the wizard mode, um, has pretty much stayed the same, but just about every single mode, every single multiball, some of the rewards that you get, they've all changed. And some of them significantly, some of them just to make them more enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, the call-outs have changed. We've had to re-record some call-outs with some with new new voice talent, we've added new music just to better fit the mood of the machine as well. so there, there's been significant amount of work, and I know that sort of people are saying you know there's been a lot of radio silence, and it's just that we we wanted to get to a place where the next update that we gave showed you what the machine looks like in an enjoyable state. and I've said many times before on this show that I'm quite particular about a standard. And I've sort of said a number of times, I'm not happy where the code is and I want it to be just fleshed out a bit more till we can show it. And that's where we're at. But there's still lots to come, as I've said. Lots, lots more polish, lots more choreography. There's there's light shows, there's more call-outs, there's more sound effects. There's there's a lot more coming. It's just been coded as we speak. I'm excited for you. It'll be good. It'll be... I'm I'm anxious because I know that I know pinball, and I also know that I've been a pinball commentator for many years. So I know it's my job to pick apart rules, and I'm now on the other side. So I'm looking forward to it, in a way.
1: (laughs) Some programmers do codes based on what they like. And I wonder how much you are going to cater to what you think the mass is like, even if it differs from something you may prefer.
0: I have and I think I think that was yeah a lot of people have asked that, that question of me. I have tried to emulate what I believe are other people's enjoyable experiences in pinball, not necessarily mine and what I like and what I don't. It's more so I've just spoken to so many people throughout the years about pinball to know what people like and what they don't like. So I've tried to avoid some of the things that people don't like and obviously tried to add in there some exciting and enjoyable things that some people will be familiar with and they will get a bit of a kick out of it.
1: Okay, enough said. We'll just have to wait and see. It's going to be uh, it's going to be very soon. I know you've been working hard, and uh, I know you would like to get to TPF, but I think you did the right thing to make sure that these games are being done. Speaking of TPF, speaking of games, the first stream of Weird Owl came out from Multimorph yes. P3. you watched a bit. I watched a bit. Your thoughts?
0: My first thoughts are there is polka in the game. Yes. Only a very small bit. When you drain the ball and it goes, hey, that's from his polka. So I was happy that that was in there at least. It looks good. It's enjoyable. I think theme integration is fantastic. Um, Yeah, it's a great game. How long did you watch the stream? Probably, I don't know, maybe half an hour. Oh, okay. Why is that?
1: I think with every stream, so I'm not just talking about this one, I'm good at about 10 minutes. (laughs) Haha. <laughs> yeah. That's when I tap out. I I've seen, I've seen the flippers flip. I've seen some of the modes. It's so difficult to stream a new game in my opinion, because, and I was begging in chat, can you please explain where the shots are? Can you please explain what this mode does? Can you please not just flip and stuff, but give me, give me a little bit, like just give me the basics. And I don't get that from any of these. Uh, sometimes a little bit more than others, but I've come to the conclusion and we have people (laughs) listening that are, um, coding games and making games. I've come to the conclusion. They might not be the best spokesperson. And I'm serious because they are proud parents of their baby and they're excited and they know everything about it, but they run before they walk. And I don't get the basics. We've heard the excitement of some people on these streams where they go, "Well, there's this, this, this." But don't forget that you might
0: want to, you know, um, no, stack know. this with
1: this, and and you, I'm fucking lost.
0: Well, I, uh, we we are probably going to get criticised from our video for it being too simple because all we're really going through, and you, I've said this many times, that I really want people to experience the code firsthand when they receive the game. So all we've really gone through in ours is. How do you start Mermaid Ball? How do you start Lagoon Multiball? How do you start a Mermaid and mermaid Battle? How do you do that? And then we'll show that pretty much starting, but we're not going to show all the intricacies of the game because we want people to learn that and experience it themselves.
1: I love the look of the game. I'm dying to play it. The integration is one of the best I've ever seen. I didn't get what I wanted out of the stream, and I say that about almost every launch stream.
0: And it's to, it's
1: no fault of their own.
0: No, I know. I'm not flipping it. I'm not No, seeing. I do agree with you. I, I I, watched... When I say I watched it for half an hour, I watched it three lots of ten minutes each. So the first time they were going through the game, at the end, the third session, I think they were playing timed games as well. Like They were on for, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 seconds each. I still didn't get a sense of how things were lit, how things were started, what they were doing in the mode. But I'm okay with that because, as I've said to you many times, I want to experience it myself. I don't want to see a stream that tells me how to do it. I I just wanted to see, does it shoot good? Does it look good? Does it sound good? Are people having fun? That's fine. I'll work the rest out myself when I play it. Well, it checked all those
1: boxes. Let's just say that because people were having fun. There was lots to see. I was lost. And I think the people that are so close to it forget, we are all seeing this for the first time. Dumb it down a little bit. Look, just give me okay. I'm. I can't remember which stream it was. It was one of Elwyn's games. And before they started playing, they said, "Here's this shot. Here's this shot. Here's this shot. Here's this shot. This is what this does." And then they just then they just fucking played. I was like, oh, "Okay, all well, that." That was one I did didn't mind. But because there are so many shots on a multimorphic game, I was lost. And I'm watching on a I'm watching on a phone. Okay, that's not good. Go to my iPad. Still can't see the shots because it's it's small. And and I think I think you got to remember when you're. Streaming these launches, people are seeing this whole thing for the first time. So you kind of gotta give us a little, give us a little help on that. And
0: no, but I I know what you're saying, and that's what you need. But is yeah, that what everybody yeah. else needs? Well, or do they are they just like me? They just need to see need, need to see that it's legit, looks good, sounds great, people are having fun. Like that's that's really I think what the majority of people want. Yeah, I I
1: agree. I I do agree about that. I think what I was looking for would have actually helped them more because they would go into a different mode and I had no idea what the hell was going on and they're flipping away. And uh, I'm like, uh, some of the modes, they explained a little better than others. I thought Colin did a good job with that, but others, I was like, I don't know what the hell's going on here. I don't understand. Uh, I, I'm lost. So there's just so much on that. And the reason I think it would have helped is because, because there is so much on that machine and they should be proud of Everything they've done, theres it's the most complete game. We ranted and raved about it last week with Comic Alpine. And I think it's going to be a big hit at TPF. I just, hey, listen, they've already sold out of all the uh, limited editions. So it's maybe a, a bonus video, if you will. Does it sell some more units? Probably, maybe. It looks good, but I just, uh, I, I was confused. So I don't know if it helped me. I already was a fan of it. I was already excited from the promo video. I didn't get more excited by watching this. And I could have been.
0: Yeah, no, no, I, I, am not disagreeing with what you're saying. I got out of it what I needed, and I was satisfied. So, I think, I think a lot of people are like that. They just wanted to see it, and a lot of people in chat were loving it. So, uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's also, it is also really hard to explain these things to people over the internet. Anyway, I have, I have gone through the rules on my games so many times, and. Let's not forget, I'm a qualified trainer. I used to do that for a living, train people, particularly in visual mediums, so I know how to communicate. Pinball is just not that easy for people to understand sometimes.
1: You might have just explained my concern. When you're too close to it and you've created this from scratch, you're thinking about something five, six moves away, so to speak, and you lose some of those people.
0: No, I know, because I'll give you an example. You're reading Chapter 7 before you should be reading Chapter 1. Look, I'll, I'll, the, the the example I'll give for me is one of the best modes in Fathom 2.0 is a secret wizard mode. Now, I could go through it because I'm so excited, for, or I can just say, you know what, I just want you to learn how to play the game. I'll show you how to get to that. But I don't want to go through it because it's complicated and I want you to enjoy it for the first time. Even like the the Mermaid Queen, which you've, you've got to get through four mermaid and battles to get to the queen. I'm telling people how to get there, but I don't want to go through the game mechanics, even though it's really exciting for me as a as a rules designer because I'm really proud of what I did. I don't have to, to go through that right now because I think that's going to be too confusing for people.
1: Yep. Yep. Anyway, let's just... Uh Tip our cap to Multimorphic. Uh, you've, yep, got a well winner, you've got a winner there. And um, a lot of people watch the stream, like you said in chat. They were loving it. So uh, it's going to be a massive hit at TPF. I don't want to take up any more of your time because I know you're busy making <laughs> Fathom you. 2.0. And in fact, you are at Haggis right now. I am indeed. So this podcast is the reason for the delay. Too bad.
0: <laughs> Too bad. 2.0 bad.
1: You know, we we wanted to go back to back shows. We were a little late with the last one, so this is a shorty. Uh, we will be back in a couple of weeks. I think Ryan C is going to be joining us. Oh, oh that's always
0: fun! fun. It's very exciting. Yes. All right, Marty, you have a good one. Thank you, and don't forget, everybody, if you want to contact us, Final Round pinball at gmail.com, dot com, pin. It's at Twitter and Final Round pinball podcast on Instagram. Chat to us. We always chat back and make fun of you, pretty much. So that's the deal. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> how it's going to work. Okay,
1: we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Thanks very much. Thanks, everybody. Speak to you soon.